Welcome to episode 32 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. There's so much hope for you to get over this. People say, I, I could never speak in front of a group. I can never do Facebook Lives. There's, but th this is such a wonderful area for me to work in because I see people change relatively quickly, not overnight, like Ian was saying, but you can get over this. Does the idea of going live on Facebook or YouTube make you feel anxious? Well, if so, you're not alone. In this episode of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast, I've got Dr. Nick Lazarus talking about how to overcome that anxiety when it comes to live video. It's a really good episode and I hope you enjoy it. But first... Looks like it's time for something completely boutique. This is a Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray, helping entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. Gain confidence in front of the camera, confidence with technology, and confidence with the content and marketing. Together, Together, we can go live! Hello, it's Ian Anson Gray here for episode 32 of the Confident Live Marketing Show. Really excited to be here. This is episode 32, as I said, and you can find the show notes at iag.me forward slash 32. Now, I'm really excited. I've got Dr. Nick Lazarus on the show to talk about how to overcome the anxiety of live video. This is one of the big problems that people have, big challenges, the one of those three big challenges that people have is either that confidence or mindset, it's either the tech or the gear, or it's the content marketing. So we're going to be talking about that today. But first of all, I want to introduce our sponsor of today's show, which is Content 10X. Content 10X are experts in content repurposing. They provide a full end-to-end -end repurposing service. So the great thing about live video, once you get over that anxiety, we're going to be talking about that today, once you press that go live button, you can create content really quickly and easily. And then what Content 10X will do is once you finish that broadcast, they will then repurpose that into lots of different types of content, whether that's a podcast or a blog post or social media images and infographic. And they will explode that across the internet for you, which saves you time, helps you to build your business. Now, I've definitely seen the light when it comes to this, because with this live show, I've got a podcast, I've got a blog post, I've got all of these things, and it saves me so much time, which is amazing. So if you want to find out more about their service and also, if you want to find out how to do it yourself, they've got so many resources on their blog. They've also got a podcast. And now they've also got a book. Amy Woods, who is the founder of Content 10X, has written a book called Content 10X, and that will help you with all things repurposing. So check that out. 
So I'm excited to have Dr. Nick Lazarus on the show. Dr. Nick Lazarus is a performance psychologist and anxiety coach. Dr. Nick has specialized for over 38 years in helping entrepreneurs, performing artists, and creatives overcome performance anxiety and stage fright and achieve a life and career that they never imagined possible. By helping them dramatically increase their self-confidence and overcome their fear, his clients have developed the ability to consistently perform at or near their personal best regardless of the pressure or circumstances. In addition to coaching and speaking, he has authored four books, including The Fearless Business Speaker, From Panic to Peace, The Assertive Communicator, and Stress, and Resiliency and Taking Charge of Your Life. Nick, it's great to have you on the show. Wonderful to be here, Ian. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, and we we met. We only met a few months ago. Um, nice. This was uh, back in September, I think, in Nashville, of all places. Yes, in Franklin, Tennessee. Yes, and uh, had a, had a fun three days together. It definitely was. So this was uh, at a, a conference called the Tribe Conference. I was speaking at Content Marketing World up in Cleveland, and then I thought, you know what, I quite fancy this conference, so went there, and then we just bumped into each other, and we had just a, an amazing conversation. Yes, it was really it was really fun to hear what you were doing, and kind of uh, compliment a lot of what I do in my work. Definitely. We were talking really about the whole issue of anxiety when it comes to any form of public speaking. But obviously, on this podcast, on the show, we talk mainly about live video. And it is a huge problem for business owners and entrepreneurs. Got uh, Carrie is in the house. And she was she was, she was just looking at this before uh, we started. And she says, yes, so much dread. We're talking about the, the dread that of pressing that go live button a bit a bit scary before we start with this i started uh, last week when we had uh, andrew and pete on the show with a bit of a new thing which is a quiz a little quiz just to get to know our guests on the show and so you don't know any of these questions and the very very simple questions uh, it's okay. just really a quick fire round just to just to get us started off so the first one is what's your favorite type of food Oh, my favorite food is uh, Greek and Italian. I, I'm Greek, so I grew up with Greek food, and my wife's Italian, and that combination is, is kind of hard to beat. <laughs> That's a great hard choice. I'm starting to yeah. get hungry now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so this is a bit of a divisive question, but Mac or PC? Absolutely Mac, all the way. Okay, great. Favorite, favorite kind of music? Well, I'm a child of the 60s, so I like uh, classic rock, but I also like country. Uh, so I enjoyed being in Nashville for some of the country music, but uh, uh, grew up with the Beatles and uh, Rolling Stones, because that's uh, pretty much uh, what I still listen to quite a bit. That's awesome. That's great, great stuff. I mean, the, the music of the 60s, it's still amazing stuff. So uh, great stuff. Okay, this is a difficult one, this one. Would you choose okay. a banana or a Krispy Kreme donut? Hmm. I would want a Krispy Kreme donut, but I would probably these days choose the banana. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yes. Uh, just uh, trying to stretch out my life, and uh, I don't think donuts are going to do it. But. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that choice. Okay, yeah. next one. Favorite kids TV program? Ooh, favorite kids. It's been a long time. My kids have grown. Um used to watch uh, Power Rangers with my son every week. That pops into my mind. Um, but uh, boy, I'd have to go way back. Uh, what was back there? Do you remember Ren and Stimpy? 
probably that, yeah, not. Yeah, that kind of these two really little characters. Yeah, so those just popped in my head. Yeah, it's funny. It's all the the the, the nostalgia starts rushing back yeah. at these points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Okay, and okay. The next one is favorite classical composer. Uh, Dvorak. Ooh. His, his New World Symphony. I, I, it, years ago, I heard that, and I I can just sit in my office, turn off the lights, and play that. Uh, That's a great I wish choice. I could say I, I know a lot of... Uh, classics but that one just uh, really does it for me yeah that's it's a great piece and finally your favorite app or tool that you'd use you know in your business probably right now skype simply because i do a lot of online coaching all over the world uh so that works but sometimes it drops out so i've been playing with zoom lately and enjoying that it's probably gonna move to zoom Yes, I think people go from one to the other, Skype or Zoom. And yeah. we're, so we're using we're using Skype uh, for, for this because this works with Ecamm Live. I mean, I, I use Zoom as well. So that's that's great stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've got David Bain just shares this really good quote, which I just wanted to share. It's a quote by Carl Sagan, who makes me realize that in the grand scheme of things, streaming live isn't something to get nervous about. Quote is, look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being there ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy, suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines. Every hunter, and it goes on and on. It's quite a big quote, but I think that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because actually, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, What's a live show? <laughs> What's a little live yeah, show yeah. in the scheme of yeah. things? But my first question really is, I think we need to, to kind of define things because I think in the world of psychology, there are so many words that we use a lot. You know, we've, we've on the show, we've used words such as imposter syndrome and things like that. But what do you, would you define as performance anxiety? What is a performance anxiety? Simply put, it's the experience of a sense of dread. We talked about that a little earlier, just that emotional and uh, that belief system of, oh, my gosh, I'm dreading what's coming up. I've got to push the live button. But it's the experience of a sense of dread accompanied by physical symptoms of anxiety and stress. So that could be shortness of breath. It could be a heart pounding. It could be uh, palm sweating. Uh, but it's it's dread accompanied by physical symptoms of stress when you anticipate having to speak, uh, preparing to speak, and during your speech. Uh, and I think this is really critical that anxiety doesn't start the moment you hit the, the live button. It doesn't start when you get in front of the audience. It really starts the moment you decide that you're going to do it. It's in the run, back of your mind. It's always running back there. And one of the things we'll see as we talk in is one of the goals is to quiet that and quiet that very early. So it isn't kind of building up until the day we have to do our live presentation. That's interesting. So is this, is it kind of like this inner dialogue, inner voice that we have that we've got to be aware of? I mean, but also you've talked about physical manifestations really of this. And can you maybe kind of share a little bit more about those things? Yeah. Well, our our physical symptoms or manifestations of really anything is going to be follow a thought. So if I have a thought that I'm going to give a presentation and my thought is that the presentation might not go well or I might be embarrassed or I might forget what I'm going to say, that sends a signal to the body because it sends a signal right away that says there's danger coming up. And the body does exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to start getting anxious. It's supposed to start getting ready 
for something dangerous. It's that fight or flight response. And ironically, what happens is that physical symptom then sends a signal back up to the brain that says, oh my gosh, something really scary is coming up. So it just keeps sort of escalating. That's why some people can escalate into a panic attack or severe anxiety. So it's this thought that triggers the body's perfect response if there's danger. But the problem is there's really no danger. It's not like the tiger's chasing you and you better get ready to run. But if we're going to do a Facebook Live, our body starts to feel like there's a tiger in the room and and our body responds exactly uh, how it's supposed to respond to danger. Isn't that interesting? It's as if we're expecting something absolutely life-threatening to happen, (laughs) but but it's not. Yeah, because our body doesn't know the difference if it's Mm. real danger or not. It just goes by what we tell it. So so I know you said before that you work with musicians and actors, uh, but not just them. I, I know you, you work with businesses and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, and so when it comes to performance anxiety, I know I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway, which is, does it just affect musicians, actors and public speakers? You know, how about entrepreneurs using live video? How, can, can that be a big problem for, for us? Well, the reality is anybody who gets anxious under a pressure situation, a performance situation, is susceptible to this. When I first started working, I was working primarily with athletes, and I'd work with swimmers and golfers who would get anxious, and uh, their anxiety would interfere with their performance. They weren't having the most optimal performance they could. And then a couple singers came to me and said, hey, I heard you work with people that get too anxious when they're going to perform, and I have to be on stage. And I worked with a guy that was going to maybe win a Best New Artist of the Year for the Country Music Awards. And his big fear was he was going to have to go up and give an acceptance speech. Not that he was going to win. He was afraid he was going to win and have to give the speech. (laughs) And so uh, then I started working more with musicians. But at some point, uh, business people, entrepreneurs would come and say, uh, my company wants me to lead the webinar every week. And it's just me in a room by myself. And I'm panicked. And then I'd have more people say, I want to do live video, but it scares me to death. I've never been able to speak in public. And I know this is weird because there's nobody in the room, but I know they're watching me. So it kind of morphed over time. And so to answer your question, anyone who's under a pressure situation, a performance situation is vulnerable to this. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think one of the things with live video, there are are quite a few words that are being used a lot that you need to be, you need to be yourself, you need to be transparent and vulnerable because people don't want to see this kind of, this performance. So there's almost this extra stress that you've got to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) you know, that, I mean, if you're told to be yourself. Easy to say. Yeah, exactly. Be yourself. Okay. Just just relax. (laughs) Exactly. So there's there's, this, There's this stress. And then, of course, the, the, there were so many other things to think about. You know, there's the technology mm-hmm. and all, all these things. So, you know, be, being honest about my, my own experience, I mean, I trained as a professional classical singer back in the day. I got to the point where I felt fine getting in, on stage. I still felt nervous, of course, but I could sing. I, I could sing a big classical aria in front of a crowd of hundreds. But when it came to speaking on stage or even worse, speaking in front of a camera, I found that was really, really nerve-wracking. And so why do you think some of us find speaking to a real crowd easier than speaking to this camera, this inanimate object in front of us? 
Well, I think a key part of that is the whole issue of control. Control is the, the bottom line issue for the stress that accompanies anxiety. So it's not I want to control people, but I want to control the situation. So if I'm speaking in front of 25 people, I can kind of gauge uh, if they're with me or not. I can gauge if they're laughing at my jokes or not. But I'm I'm staring at a screen and it's just me and the screen. I'm not getting feedback. Yeah. And my mind, my kind of creative mind starts anticipating what they're thinking almost ahead of time, what they're going to think. And so I start to project that out and, and I can't control. I have no control over that. So there is a, you wouldn't think that. You'd think, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm all by myself, but it's not for most people. Well, that's, that's good to know because I, I've had um, different people on the show thinking different things. Some people feel it's easier to do it in front of a camera than in front of lots of people on stage. And and some people feel the opposite. And so it's it's interesting yeah. to... And, and so that kind of is a good follow-up to, to this question, uh, which is, why do some people get performance anxiety and some people don't? I've had some people on the show who say to me they don't get nervous at all. They love it. They love to get in front of the camera. Whereas mm -hmm. I know some people feel so absolutely petrified. And then, of course, there's loads of people in between those those extremes? Well, I think, first of all, the general research is that people who struggle with anxiety of, on any level, but especially any kind of performance anxiety, tend to be highly intelligent and highly creative. So that's a good one. We, we want that one. You, you want to be uh, highly intelligent, highly creative. But the problem with that is the more creative you are and the, the more intelligent you are, the more you think about what could go wrong, what they mm. could be thinking. And so we overthink. People who are not very intelligent and they're not very creative, they don't think about what could go wrong. They, they, they're not overthinking at all. They just get up there and talk. So you have that issue to start with. Then you have different people like myself. When I grew up, I was an introvert. I was a little more quiet, fear of rejection. I had very high expectations of myself, need for control so that everything kind of goes the right way black and white thinking, it's either going to go really well or it's not. So lots of people who have these personality characteristics, they don't listen to their body. You know, entrepreneurs tend to push and push. I'll work till two in the morning. I love what I'm doing. But your body's saying, no, no, stop. It's time to slow down. Let's get some rest. Let's recover tonight. So we don't listen to the body signals. Lots of shoulds. I should do this. I should be perfect. I should present really well. So all of these things, if you have a personality type that kind of leans in that direction, you're going to struggle more with anxiety, especially under pressure. Well, that's definitely something that I see is a big problem for people who are perfectionists, that they're, they're trying to strive for this unattainable goal of perfectionism. And that is one reason why I actually love live video, because I think for people who are striving for that, you very quickly come to the realization that it's not going to be perfect. You can't make a perfect live video. And one of the things I was fascinated about when we, we met in, in Franklin in September was this whole issue of intelligence. Obviously, we're probably overgeneralizing this. I mean, everyone's going to be different. But sure. certainly, that if you are a relatively intelligent person, that sometimes that means that you overthink things, you overanalyze, yes. and that can actually be a big problem. So yeah, as you say, it's, it, it, maybe it's a, good, it's a good thing that you're intelligent, but sometimes mm -hmm. that can... Yeah. Shoot, in the, shoot you in the foot, would you say? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because what you said is absolutely the core issue, which is the overthinking. It's, it's not being present. It's not being in the moment. It's not being now. It's in the future, or I'm thinking about how I messed up in the past. So the key to, to ultimately to, to overcoming this is how do I become more present? Not even more myself, because that's kind of a cliche. Uh, not more relaxed, but how do I stay in the moment? 
And and when you're with your best friend or your spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, someone that matters to you, you're not even thinking about this. You're just present with them. You're just mm. kind of solid. You're anchored. But the moment I say, hey, can you take a minute and talk to these 25 people? Would you go on a Facebook Live? Would just take you a second. Just talk like you just were to your wife. They just freak out. It's like, no, this is different. And they begin to overthink it. That's really interesting. So we've got Martin Buckland uh, watching. And so I, I met Martin at a conference in London earlier this year. And we were, we were talking about this, this, this thing about overthinking and overanalyzing. And he was, he was struggling to press that go live button. And so what I was able to do with him at this conference was say, do you know what? Why don't we just go live? Why don't I press that go live button? And let's do it. And he did it. And he's not stopped mm. doing it ever since. Yeah, so it, it's, it's not thinking about it. But yeah, I, have you got any quick tips on, you say, but being in the moment, how do we practically do that? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it has to do with the whole core of the program, the way I, I, I coach people, which is has to do with left and right brain thinking. I don't know if you want to go into that. Well, I think we, we can probably go into more detail in a little bit. Just share, I mean, what, yeah. what do you mean by the left and right brain thing? Basically, we, we tend to think of left brain thinking as where the analytical, the more judgmental, it's where we learn how to play the piano, we study, we get ready for our presentation. We need the left brain thinking. But the problem with left brain thinking, it tends to have very fast brain waves. And the faster the brain waves, the faster the stress, the faster the overthinking goes. So the more thinking you have, the less your performance is going to be optimal. So the goal, just simply put, the goal is how do we slow that down? How do we become present? and slow down that left brain kind of judgmental overthinking when we're going to give the presentation. We need that early. We need to get ready, get our notes, get our jokes, our outline, whatever we're going to do. Then it's time to, to say, okay, now it's time to slow down. Let's shift to the right side of the brain, which is being present, which is where the athletes, when I work with the athletes, they talk about being in the zone. They were just kind of there and anchored and centered. So that's in a nutshell. We want to make this critical shift from left brain to right brain, from overthinking to slowing down and being present. I love that. Well, we're going to go into that's more- That's our goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And uh, it, it's. I think we're all on a journey. This is. We, we, you're not going to kind of overnight uh, solve yeah. this, but I know that yeah. you're going to be able to share with us quite a few tips and, and uh, yes. ways that we can go through that. So yeah, definitely looking forward mm -hmm. to that. So you've alluded to some of this, but you didn't just like overnight become a performance psychologist. Or maybe you did. Maybe you just woke up one morning and think, actually, do you know what? I, I'm <laughs> going to be a performance psychologist and anxiety coach. But <laughs> can yeah. you tell us some I, of the, I, kind I of the was, story? I was, I was seven when I decided, no, <laughs> I just woke up and said, um, well, I was, like I said earlier on, I, I was an introvert, very quiet. I had uh, extreme anxiety presenting. I was in a group called the Indian Guides. It was a father-son organization where every week you would meet and you would give a, a little talk about rocks or the forest or whatever. And I just remember for talk about dread for the whole week, just panicking about having to get up in front of these nine other little kids with me. And then all the way through high school, I would just do everything I could to avoid speaking in front of the class. I'd get asthma attacks. I'd, I'd do everything. But but eventually, all the way through graduate school, I somehow was able to avoid speaking in front of groups. And then one day, a, a woman came up and said, would you be willing to speak 
at our church to a mother's group. It was a mother's group that was going to talk about stress and motherhood. And I came up with some excuse about why I wasn't able to do it. And I told a colleague, another student in my doctoral program about it. He says, what, what are you talking about? That's yours. You're going to be a shrink. You're supposed to do those things. I said, I can't. I, I, I get too panicky. And he says, he said, there's nothing better to market yourself than getting in front of people, which is, again, such an important thing for entrepreneurs as we look at getting over this. And I just remember a day, I was like about eight months before getting my doctorate saying, I've got to get over this. And, and basically began to work on the things that I, I teach, uh, things I studied and researched uh, to get through that. And uh, eventually started having uh, people here that I specialize in anxiety in my private practice. And like I said earlier, started to have performers and athletes initially come and began to do more and more work with that and found out that I just love doing it. And, and mm. one thing I want to make sure I, I say right here is that there's so much hope for you to get over this. People say, I, I could never speak in front of a group. I could never do Facebook lives. There's, but th this is such a wonderful area for me to work in because I see people change relatively quickly, not overnight, like Ian was saying, but you can get over this. And I've had a number of clients, probably hundreds of clients over the years that not only got over it, but they enjoy doing it. And then, of course, in a business sense, the value to your business is just so incredible when you can get in front of people. Oh, that's awesome. It's, I'm not it, even sure if I answered your question. But no, you <laughs> did. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, yeah, you've, you've given us that, you know, how you how you got into this, but also you shared some of that, that initial story that you you struggled with this. And yeah. I, I think that's I think that's important because you, you're able to to learn from that. You know, you've been, and, and also you can empathize with people's struggles as well, you know, and oh, yeah. You know, I, I've had maybe a, a little bit of a struggle over the years. In, the, in some ways, I feel a bit of a reluctant live video coach because I struggled, you know, particularly when it comes to the whole confidence thing. Uh, but mm. I kept doing it and doing it. And, and I, over time, I, I've uh, improved. And, and it, but because of those struggles right at the beginning, I feel that I can empathize with other people's struggles. So I think that's, mm -hmm. that's really good. But I also loved your hope, that, that really positive thing that actually, you know what, if you struggle with this, there are ways you can get over it. You, and um, yeah. that that's a rule. We need a message of hope, don't we, in this world at the yes, moment? So. absolutely. <laughs> because we, we just don't believe it's well, that it's even possible. Uh, but I just want to make sure people hear that it is it is not only possible, but I'm, I've, I'm evidence of it. You are and hundreds of other people. I'm glad you, you said that because I, I wonder whether some people listening or watching have an element of skepticism there. You know, uh, mm -hmm. they're thinking, yeah, okay, it's, it's all very well, Ian. You know, you're, you're, you go live every week. You look really confident. You know, they're thinking about you, Nick, that, well, you know, you're, you've got on camera, you're, you're working with people. It's okay for you, but not for me. So maybe come back to that in, in, in a bit, mm -hmm. because I, I think that's an important thing. If you're feeling like that, then, well, I could say don't, but 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 there, there is there, there is definitely some hope for you, which we're going to yeah, talk about. Absolutely. So let's talk about maybe some of those fears that people have, that maybe in your experience. Okay. So th this is particularly about going live or producing a webinar, but it, mm -hmm. it could be any kind of video in, in getting in front of the camera. What right. what is your experience working with clients? So what are their biggest mm -hmm. fears? Well, there's a general fear of failing, looking foolish, embarrassing yourself. We already feel insecure going into it. Uh, and then we, we become afraid of losing control. Maybe I'm going to blank out. That was one of my big fears. I'm going I'm to I'm gonna blank out. So I was so afraid of blanking out, I started blanking out because there's a neurological reason, a brain issue there when we, uh, we get so anxious. I was telling Ian earlier, when we get so anxious, those higher developed parts of our brain shut down. And, and memory 
concentration and focus are the first three that shut down when you get anxious. So there is the reality if I get too afraid that I, I could blank out. That was one of my big fears. So I would over-prepare. I'd, I'd have a 10-minute talk and I'd have five hours of material. So sometimes the fear is I'm not going to have enough. Um, and, and fear of criticism. What are people going to think? And then there's the fear of fear. What, what if I'm speaking, doing an online, a Facebook Live, and I start getting anxious? We can become afraid of being afraid, which just increases the anxiety. So, so they all have to do with what people are going to think, the fear of rejection. How am I going to look? Am I going to be able to kind of keep it together? And are people going to see that I'm nervous? I get anxious every time I speak. I've spoken for 44 years now, almost, as a primary way of marketing my practice and my business. And I get anxious every time. Anxiety is not a problem. It's anxiety is normal. It's anxiety that's not managed, that's not in mm. control and focused. That's the problem. And that's why most people's solution is don't speak. You know, I know what to do because it works. It's 100% guarantee. I can guarantee you I can help you. Just don't speak. Don't do a lot Facebook Live. But your, your business will suffer. Your, your marketing will suffer. That's interesting. Okay, so I will admit, before I, each time I go live, I, I feel a bit nervous. I was a little bit nervous before this show because I'm thinking about all the tech. I was in my mind, even though I try not to do this, I still think, what if things go wrong? What if I, what if I forget to press this button? What if I say the wrong words? And thinking back to my singing days, I remember quite a few times when I was auditioning for something and I would sing something and then I would immediately think, I'm going to forget the words. And then, of course, inevitably what happens is I forget my words. Uh, yes. And then one time I got towards the end of this very difficult Italian aria and I was nearly at the end. It had all gone so well. And I, I remember thinking, I've remembered all, the, all of the words. And as soon as I did that, I forgot my words. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that that's a principle of what we call anxious anticipation. It's it's you can't be present singing your aria and living in the future. You, you can't be in both places. So we either look back in anxious regret. We look back at when last time we forgot or we were scared or we look ahead in anxious anticipation. And in both of those, we're not present. And you cannot mm. perform, you cannot sing, you can't be present with your audience if you're living in the future. So one of the things I always teach is how do we live right this moment? Not not what could happen. Not what if I hit the golf ball and it goes in the lake? What happens? You hit it in the lake. Yeah, so true. So we've talked about this a little bit, but if somebody, and I've had people say this, you, you've talked about this message of hope, but I do want to kind of come back to this a little bit. And, and there may be some people who think, okay, I just can't do it. I'd rather get somebody else to go live. I get too anxious with it. Why bother? Why should I do it? Maybe I should just avoid it. Mm. What What is your message to somebody like that? Well, again, if you're talking about not doing it at all, the biggest consequence there is, is your business is going to suffer. There's there's no better way to promote your business, a product, a service, than to be in front of your audience, your target market, who, whoever it is that you're really focusing your message towards. There's nothing more powerful. That's all I did for my whole 40 years of my practice, whether it was as a clinical psychologist and later as a performance psychologist, was I just kept getting in front of people. I was anxious every time, but I got in front of people. Uh, so the ability to do an online course, to do an online coaching program, it doesn't matter what it is. By avoiding that, you're not going to have the opportunity to have a business the way you want. I did, a, I was thinking about this the other day, a, um, a live presentation for a university here in Southern California. And it was in a big room with no people except for a camera and it was broadcast all over the world. And I 
almost said no to that because I this is too weird. I can't do that. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And so I did it. And uh, I looked up the other day on, on YouTube and it, it has 65,000 views wow. from everywhere. And I've been able to trace back thousands and thousands of dollars in business to that one hour and a half presentation that I almost said no to. So that's the power of video. That's the power of live because it was live. And I messed up there and, you know, said something stuttered and all that. And I wanted to get them to edit that out. And they said, no, just just we're going to put it out. So, again, it, you could either not speak. The issue of having somebody else speak for you, it's just not as powerful. It's not as powerful uh, as them seeing you. Uh, warts and all, you know, stuttering and all. So. Yeah. I just think nothing can re replace that. I totally agree. People want the real human interaction and, and people are moving away from this the slick marketing videos. I mean, I, I do it all the time. I, I, I'd see, I just, I scroll past them. I don't want to see them. I want to see the real conversations, which is, yes. which is what we're, we're having at the moment. So yeah. how do we overcome the anxiety? You've given us a few okay. tips, but what, what, how would you work with somebody who has the anxiety? What I always tell my clients when I'm coaching is, is that there's two directions we've got to work on. We've got to deal with the thinking, your thoughts, the cognitive part, and we've got to deal with your body's response to that. Because remember I was saying we can send a signal to the body that says, oh my gosh, my webinar is coming up, and the body starts to get anxious. So we've got to slow down the thought. We've also got to slow down our body. We've got to do both of those things. And the goal of that is simply, and it sounds simple, but uh, to become more present. When I'm in front of my webinar, when I'm in front of the screen, I want to be there. I don't want to be living in the future or, or looking back at what I should have done. So three skills, I'll just kind of, there's a, there's a number of these, and I'll, I'm going to offer a free uh, roadmap at the end of our, our time here that goes into a little more detail and has a couple of the other skills. Because of time, I've kind of narrowed down to three that are that if this is all you did, it'd be very powerful. And the first one is beginning to identify and practice self-talk, your positive self-talk. You know, we've been talking about overthinking and that overthinking is never positive. It's never, boy, I'm going to overthink my webinar because I know it's going to go so great. We overthink about it. What if it doesn't go great? What if it doesn't go well? So the first thing is begin to monitor it. Just be aware of how negative that self-talk is. What do you say to yourself under pressure? What are the words that literally, if I could somehow record them in your head, you know, what are you saying to yourself as your presentation is approaching or you're trying to decide if you're going to do a Facebook Live or a webinar? Begin to monitor it. What do you tell yourself as you anticipate speaking? Uh, what do you tell yourself maybe even as you're presenting? You can begin, I've given presentations where as I'm giving a presentation to thousands of people, I'm also thinking, I hope I'm doing okay. So we're very capable of thinking about negative things while we're doing a presentation. So we need to be able to quiet that. So the first thing is just becoming aware of that. Once we become aware of that negative critical voice, I, I always suggest doing something that sounds really silly and, and, and weird, but I suggest giving that negative critical voice that we're talking about an actual name, a literal name. Uh, I learned this from a mentor of mine years ago. Uh, so what you would do, so I have my negative critical voice. I'm going to be on the podcast with Ian and I'm asking myself, I hope it goes OK. I hope my mic works and all that. And it starts to get really negative and I start to get anxious. I call that name Bob. I gave it a name. It just the only rule is it can't be someone, you know, and you don't like. So because I don't want you picturing somebody. Uh, but what what giving it a name does, it makes it so much more powerful, and easy to hear that negative voice so we can begin to shut it down. 
So I will be anticipating, a, a, uh, I just did an online course, just finished recording it a few months ago. And um, it took me, it probably took me a year because I wanted it to be perfect. And finally, I, ca- I heard that voice. I heard Bob saying, yeah, that wasn't perfect. You kind of stuttered there. And I had to tell Bob to stop it. I had to tell Bob, shut up. And one of the th- ways we do that is through a process in cognitive therapy we call thought stopping. You picture a bright red stop sign, literally picture a bright red stop sign. Tell yourself, stop it, because Bob is relentless. This negative critical voice is overthinking. And, and our, our brain develops what's called neural pathways. And these are pathways that every time you say, I hope I don't mess up. What if I mess up? I can't do a live. I can't do a webinar. These neural pathways get deeper and deeper and deeper, and they almost become habits that we just do not believe we can overcome. So we have to stop those and develop new neural pathways. And rather than getting more technical with it, really one of the ways we do that is to stop it by telling Bob to shut up, to be quiet, to picture that stop sign. And then when we hear ourselves saying, yeah, but what if the mic doesn't work? You've, you've got to be able to say, so what? And so what doesn't mean I don't care. But really what you can see we're talking about here is we're trying to slow that down. And, and you can get incredibly good at this in a very short period of time. I work with clients every day from everywhere that will tell me, I, oh, I, I named Bob, it was Susie or John or whatever. And he doesn't shut up. He's just always negative. But I'm, I'm starting to hear him now. And I'm getting him quiet. I'm telling him to stop. And eventually, I don't know if Bob ever goes away, but he becomes more and more manageable, more quiet. So give that negative voice a name. Stop it with that bright red stop sign. There's something that happens when we do that. And then say, so what? Well, yeah, but what if it doesn't go well? So what? You know, what if my online course isn't perfect? So what? I need to get it out there. And the less I worry, like Ian was saying about the what ifs and just do it, the better it goes, always. So first thing is just identify and practice how you're talking to yourself. Okay, next one, we're going to shift to the physical part. And one of the first things that happens uh, when you have anxiety of any kind is our breathing changes. And and it becomes fast, uh, upper, shallow breathing in our upper lungs. And, And the problem with that is if a guy's chasing you with a baseball bat in a parking lot, I want you to have fast, shallow breathing. I want you holding your breath, getting ready. But when you're going to do a Facebook Live, I don't want you holding your breath because what it does, again, is it sends a signal to the brain that says, oh, my gosh, something dangerous is coming up. So we want to begin to slow down our breathing. And the best way to do that is an exercise that I'll walk you through it really quickly here. But it's in my uh, notes that you'll get at the end of the podcast. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to picture a balloon in your stomach. And you're going to have a balloon in your stomach and you're going to take a slow, deep breath through your nose and you're going to fill up the balloon as much as you can. You're going to fill it all the way up and you're going to hold it for about three or four seconds. Then you're going to let the air out through your mouth and deflate the balloon. You're going to take the breath in, fill up the balloon. You're going to let it out. And every time you let the air out, I want you to say the same word, relax, calm, flow, whatever word that is. You can get so powerfully good at this kind of breathing that before a performance, with just a few seconds before you're going to go on, you can take that slow, deep breath and it slows you down and it quiets Bob. The key to this is practicing it. You're practicing it throughout the day. It's not hard. It's free. You're breathing anyways. You're just breathing anxiously. But what I want you to do is begin to practice throughout the day, three or four breaths in the morning, a few in the afternoon, until you've gotten so good at this so that the day comes you're going to do your webinar, your Facebook Live. You've been really getting good. Two or three breaths. Slow yourself down. Let's get Bob quiet and let's get present. 
So that's how that's a kind of a quick run through on breathing, but it's it's that powerful. I, I, I work with someone early this morning who has a business and and does presentations in front of audiences, and he says, I can, I cannot tell you how the breathing has has just powerfully slowed me down. And people are saying, Wow, you really look confident up there. And all he did basically is learn how to slow his body down. So if you've said to yourself, Well, I've tried breathing, it doesn't work, I don't believe it. Because breathing works if you do it the way I said and you practice it during the day. It'll be available to you when it's time to do your presentation. As a singer, I find that helps so much. It helps with the relaxation. It also helps you support your voice and helps you communicate really, really well as well. Absolutely. We've had David David Bain on the show was talking about this, that breathing really helps. So I totally agree with you. You mentioned there's a third one as well. Yes, it's practicing positive mental rehearsal. Mental rehearsal is one of the most powerful techniques preparing for optimal speaking and optimal performance. This was initially used uh, primarily with athletes. If you remember the the diver, Greg Luganis, a U.S. Olympic team years ago, did a dive, a triple. I don't know too much about diving, but uh, as he came down, he hit his head on the corner of the board, fell in the water. And I remember all the, um, the commentators saying, Oh, he'll never recover from that. How do you come back mentally? Not not physically, but how does your mindset recover from that? And to make a long story short, he came back, uh, won four gold medals in the Olympics. And they asked him, how do you come back from that? And how do you get your mind back? And he talked about mental rehearsal. He talked about when he was young, when he was like five or six years old, and he'd go to dance class with his, his mom would take him to dance class. And he said every week, the teacher would have us lay on the ground, play the music and say, I want you to rehearse, picture dancing, picture this step. And he said, for weeks, we never got to dance. All we did was keep rehearsing in our mind. One day we came in, she says, okay, everybody, we're gonna dance. Put on the music and he says, I couldn't believe it. We were all dancing almost perfectly and we had never physically practiced before. The power of mental rehearsal to, because the, the problem is what you see in your mind's eye what you see as you anticipate your presentation tends to become who you are. So if you've got days or weeks uh, to prepare and you're expecting it not to go well and you're in a sense re- uh, mentally rehearsing in a negative way, by the time you're going to present, you've been presenting it in your mind and not doing well and being anxious. So practicing positive mental rehearsal. And I'm just going to briefly go through this, but in, in the uh, roadmap that you can you can send for that I'm going to offer, it goes through these in, in real detail. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to, this is what you practice. This is not when you're going to do your presentation. You practice this in the days up to that, once a day, twice a day, 15, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of rehearsal. Center yourself, do the breathing, get yourself really grounded and quiet and present. Then try to imagine what that presentation is going to look like. Picture yourself in front of your monitor if you're doing a Facebook Live. Picture your chair. Uh, Use all your senses. I can feel the chair. I can see the monitor. I can hear me giving an amazing presentation uh, for my audience. Uh, Somewhere along of your mental rehearsal, you mess up and you get anxious. You kind of rewind the tape, go back and walk yourself back through it and break this up into little segments. I'm gonna actually picture myself walking into my study and sitting in front of the the camera. Then I'm gonna picture myself hitting the the start button, the play button. Then I'm gonna picture myself giving my presentation. I'm gonna see it going really well. I'm gonna have some fun with this. So what you're doing up until the presentation itself, the actual one, you're rehearsing this in a way that you see yourself doing well. And when the day comes right before your presentation, you do two or three of the focus breaths, Tell yourself, I'm going to be present. I'm going to go for it. 
and and you you I'm not saying you won't have any anxiety that first or second time or ever, but what I can tell you, it'll begin to have you be more and more present in front of the camera. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. We'd love to hear from you if you're listening or watching. I if if you could try that and get back to us. Let us know how you get on because I know that breathing has really helped me, definitely. One of the things that I need to work out more is some of those other things you were talking about, about practicing and that whole, the walking through, the planning side of things. Because I'll be honest with you, Nick, I mean, what I tend to do sometimes, or I certainly did this in the past, is I don't really want to think about it. I don't want to let Bob too much time, so I just wing it. I just like press the button, I'm live. But that's that's right. dangerous. <laughs> that's really dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what the goal, again, is to be intentional. It's, I'm going to intentionally prepare to be present for a great presentation. I'm not going to say I'm, I don't want to be nervous. I don't want to say don't get anxious. Don't, don't use negative. Say I intend to be present. And that's the goal. Remember we're saying if we can switch from the left side of the brain where Bob doesn't shut up and he keeps overthinking this, we can shift that to being more present kind of in the flow in the moment, then amazing things happen. And then you begin to have the hope, gee, I, I wasn't as anxious. And I've, ha I've had people say, again, in front of a, a group, they go, boy, John, you, you, they'll, they'll tell him, the CEO, you just look so confident. And all he did was change his being present. He didn't do anything else. And this is all doable, but it takes practice. I, I don't want to say do this for a couple of days, but commit to it. Be intentional with it. If, mm -hmm. if this is important, if you see the value to your business in being a speaker doing lives, say, you know what, I, I'm going to commit. I'm going to, here it is, This on this day of the podcast, I'm committing to doing it differently going forward. I'm going to believe that I can begin to overcome this. And the good news is you can. Well, that's such a positive thing. And I totally believe in what you're, you're talking about. And I would love to hear from you if you're listening or watching what your experience has been. We've got uh, Tim Lewis is uh, joined us. He's, he says, yeah, he managed to catch this purely by accident. You're not reading my emails, Tim? I don't know what to say. <laughs> and also, uh, Mioa says, breathing helps me too. It's such a, an important thing. So thank you so much, Nick, for coming on the show. It's been great to hear all your all your tips and, and uh, a really positive view on all of this. So how could people find out more about you? And I know you've, you provided uh, so a guide and, and, and some of these things in more detail. You can go to my site. And, and the easiest way to get to that is fearlessbusinessspeaking.com. Fearless businessspeaking.com. Two things that you can do on uh, the right side, you can uh, request the free five-step performance anxiety roadmap. This is the steps we talked about in more detail and a couple of others that I use in my programs. So you'll get you'll get all of those steps in detail. And then once you get that, I will also send you a cheat sheet on mental rehearsal, some steps to, uh, to slow, you know, kind of slow that down because I know we went kind of quick with that, but the power of how to use mental rehearsal to become a more effective speaker in front of the camera. So both of those will be very, very valuable for you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, yeah, just go, if you go to fearlessbusinessspeaking.com and check that out. And thank you so much, Nick, for, for producing all of that. that. That's really helpful. And I've just remembered Tim was actually at the, the conference. Yes. In fact, I think Tim actually introduced us to each other. So thank you, Tim. It's great that you could actually uh, watch. And thank you so much for, for bringing us two together. You, you've yeah. made this happen. So Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Nick. It's been great to have you on. And maybe in the future, you can come on again because this is such a big topic. But uh, we've run out of time, I'm afraid. So until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact and authority and profits using the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Be sure to join the community at iag.me where you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo. I love that that word dread. That's a good word, isn't it? Because so if if you're if if you're watching or listening, do you ever feel that that dread? Dread. 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 I'm feeling very anxious about. Yay.